Welcome to a very, very special RTV Warriors podcast. It is number 200, and I'm finally taking the reins of this podcast. And joining me, as ever, the guy whose mom still calls him sweets, Michael J. Harmstone. Well, this is weird. Yeah, how does it feel? How the, the tables have turned, Mr. Bond? Yeah, I mean, we decided that purely because I already hate the season and it's not even been on, and this is Podcast 200, that why don't we let everyone else have a chance of hosting and I can just sit here doing nothing as Logan normally does. <laughs> and, of course, you have me, the one who, who will be uh, leading this podcast for the first time ever. It's me, your boy, your boy Paul. No, no, wait. That's a different boy. Your boy, Logan Saunders. And I don't have to come up with a mildly insulting introduction of myself for once after you insulting me for over 100 podcast introductions in a row. I just get to be me. I have never insulted you on, on the podcast intros. It was better than the other other idea I had for your introduction, Michael, because there's a bonus video, which was most, most likely blocked for you in England, but uh, there was a bonus video where Andrea and Ebony, one of the teams this season, uh, talked about eating butts in practice for the race. So it was either the guy whose mom still calls him sweets or the butt eater himself. So this was the better of the two that I came up with. And just in case you, you know, forgot to write an intro, as you tend to do, I had one written for you anyway. (laughs) Just in case I, I would chicken out? Well, no, just in case you completely forgot and then had to try and do it on the fly. Yes. So, we're at number 200. How the hell does that feel? Odd, especially as this was not supposed to be number 200, as we've had many messages from the Amazing Race 29 people. Yeah, this was a kind of a surprise to many people, myself included. There's been a lot of negotiating between me and Logan over the past couple of weeks. And from the listeners, the listeners demanded this. We met uh, one of our listeners, Mark Doyle, when I was... Backpacking through uh, Europe, we met up with Mark Doyle at a trivia night in Ireland, and he wanted us to podcast about the Amazing Race Canada 5. Uh, Wayne Arthurson wanted us to podcast about it, and Kurt Rebschel, and of course the other folks within our RTV Warriors uh, co-hosting community. So this is all because of you, the viewers at home, that made this possible. And me for kind of forcing Michael to do this. Yeah, I, I had absolutely no choice in this matter, can I? Make sure he's on the record. I had zero choice in this matter. And <laughs> because the only reason that people actually want to hear us preview this season is because people know how much I hate the idea of recapping this season. Like, I have zero interest in talking about Amazing Race Canada again. I'm definitely going to come out as the more optimistic person during the course of this season. I get to be the nice Canadian for once. And strap in everyone who is on this season, because I'm not going to be particularly nice about a lot of you this time. Ooh, tough, tough words, Michael, tough words. As I was saying to Logan before we officially started recording, there's about two teams I like. <laughs> there's three teams that I actively hate, which is not good odds for anyone. So, let's figure out where we are. We're uh, heading into Season 5 of Amazing Race Canada. CTV still seems to be extremely broke. Yeah, they've still only decided to do three countries. Before we continue, mild location spoilers ahead. Well, actually, full-on location spoilers ahead. That's the only 
form of the spoiler we discuss on this on these podcasts. Yeah, so so and... Wayne, Wayne, we will warn you before we're about to mention locations because Wayne always hates it when we do it on the previews. Yes. So let's get that out of, the, out of the way right now. I knew because it was Canada 150 that this season probably wasn't going to leave Canada too much. I am optimistic that next year we will get a proper full-on travel season. Michael, I know you're not optimistic We've about it. We've said that for three years. But this was Canada 150. They weren't going to start traveling that much outside of Canada until they surpassed the 150 milestone. If last year didn't start the trend, they sure as hell weren't going to do it this year. Tim Hortons has literally opened in the UK and they've still not decided to come here. <laughs> yes. It's like there's nothing uh, more Canadian. And the sad thing, uh, there's only, once again, only three international destinations and two of them are in one of the seven countries that Amazing Race Canada has previously visited. Yeah. And one of those locations is somewhere I'm going next year now. Yes. And unfortunately, those two locations um, haven't been showcased all that well in the American version. One of them was featured in the worst season of all time, the second worst season of all time for the American version. And the other city hasn't had too spectacular of rounds either. I love how we're warning of location spotters and then we are not being specific at all. <laughs> Beijing and Shanghai. <laughs> it's Beijing, Shanghai, and Panama. And and of course, yes, Panama being the new country for Amazonary's Canada franchise, but of course the effect is goes way down considering that the American version was there just a few months ago. Well, they aired the episode a few months ago. They were there over a year ago because that's how long Amazing Race 29 was delayed. And yeah, that's it. It's not like last year where we had Cuba and we had two cool rounds in Vietnam. We're, this is the weakest year since they started doing any international travel. So basically, in summary, the international legs are gonna be pointless. And... If I remember correctly, the only legs that you actually wanted to cover on the podcast were the international ones, so strap in, everyone! <laughs> and over the seasons, this is a conversation that me and like my brother and my sister-in-law have had, because my sister-in-law is a huge mega fan of The Amazing Race, but she doesn't tune into the Canadian version that much, because she doesn't really find it that interesting. But The Amazing Race Canada has definitely been running out of domestic locations, and... If you look at the location list for the season, there's going to be quite a bit of overlap with locations already visited in previous seasons. They're going to Fort McMurray. <laughs> the new locations, as Michael said with Fort McMurray and a couple of others, the new ones really demonstrate that they're running out, which leads me into my next point of the Amazing Race Canada had a six-season contract. Our producers just aiming for season six as the finish line just so they can say they've covered all of Canada and that's it for the series? Or are we going to see anything beyond a season six? And then what, if they're still trying to do Canadian travel from there, are they just screwed? I'm not sure, because I've seen the theory that it's going to be five normal seasons and then an All-Stars. And God help me, I'm not covering Canadian All-Stars. If they bring back Gino and Jesse and do not bring back Suki and Jinder, for example, I'm not even watching I'm not covering it. Yeah, there's no way I'm doing a... It's uh, Big Brother Canada 5 try to do returning players, and we saw 
Bruno, Kevin, and Dallas come back. And spoiler alert, Big Brother Canada was canceled at the end of the season. So nobody nobody wants a season of returnees. Especially when Amazing Race Canada has the smaller cast to begin with, therefore a smaller uh, uh, selection pool. As much as I would love to be as enthusiastic about this season as I was about Amazing Race Canada 4 and Amazing Race Canada 3 and Amazing Race Canada 2, I'm just over it. That's actually a fairly common sentiment because uh, Gordon Wayne are greatly reducing their coverage of the season. Um, they're only doing their brief videos and really quick blogs. They're not even doing exit interviews this year, which I believe is a first for them. Sue's Reality Canada, really, she really decreased her coverage of it. Um, RHAP really dwindled their coverage of it the past Who? couple of years. And then, Never heard of what was the other website? Oh yeah, Your Reality Recaps just didn't cover season four at all, as well as a couple of other of the smaller uh, reality TV websites out there. But the question everyone else is asking, is Trevor Roberts covering anything? I think he, I think he's still mourning the Ryan and Rob's lack of airtime from season two. Or the vampires got him. <laughs> I do love the fact that a team this season invoked Ryan and Rob. Yes, team said they most identified with Ryan and Rob and Gino and Jesse, so yeah. <laughs> They really set the bar low for themselves. Actually, um, this is speaking of Ryan and Rob, we met up one of my childhood friends who personally knows uh, Ryan. We were, we uh, met him in London, and I guess Ryan exposed that he was on the second season of Amazing Race Canada while drunk on a yacht. Classic Ryan. Hopefully this season's a step above last year in terms of tasks, because after four seasons, I'm kind of over any di- dancing and pioneering-based tasks. And let's also point something else out. Amazing Race hasn't had a bad winner for a while. We are long overdue a bad season and long overdue a bad winner. That's that's what's working against Amazing Race Canada 5 this year, is that Amazing Race Asia 5 was the best season I've seen in quite a long time, and then Amazing Race 29 is the best American season they've done in probably over 10 years, I would say. I was comparing it to the to some of the first uh, 13 seasons from their original era. So, Masonry's Canada 5, if they're just coasting from coast to coast to coast, it's gonna, they're going to come out really far down the bottom in terms of rankings this year, just because even the American version did a bunch of self-drive legs this year, and then Amazing Race Asia pretty much filled in the gaps of where Amazing Race Canada and Amazing Race US tend to go wrong. So now that Asia and America both have franchises that do their styles very, very well, Maze Race Canada doesn't exactly look... Uh, if they just keep with the same pace, it's going to be an atrocious season up ahead, possibly. It's going to come down to the casting delivering once again. And you're also blogging about Amazing Race Australia 1, which is probably the gold standard of franchises. Yes. Which I've been meaning to do it on my days off over the past few days, but for whatever reason... I've just had a real lack of energy, just overall. I've probably been sleeping like 16 hours a day. You're procrastinating as much as some of the races this season. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, Please, can we not talk about Dan and Rhea first? I hate them. Actually, that's the team I wanted to talk about first, and just to get it out of the way. Spoilers for some behind-the-scenes stuff, and Wade, you can come back now. We usually discuss pre-episode a rough order of who we're going to talk about. Last uh, Amazing Race Canada preview, it ended up just being the order they were on the website because we had a day to do it before the season actually started. I do not want to talk about Dan and Rhea ever. 
Well, let's get it out of the way then. Um, That's terrible. I don't. The thing is, is that for those of you who um, are just tuning into us for the first time, uh, YouTubers, not our favorites. <laughs> tend to not only be Michael's favorites, but even before Michael says they're not his favorites, they tend to not be the nicest people to us. <laughs> so there's kind of a there's kind of an, a prejudice that Michael already has of YouTubers. So Dan and Rhea may be at an unfair disadvantage. Like everything they say is gonna be under heavy everything they do is gonna be under heavy scrutiny and then it's just a matter of whether they can play along with the joke for this podcast. Or be like some of the other great YouTubers who haven't liked us too much over the years and just not get in on the joke and just actively dislike us from the start. It's fair to say we have some bad history with YouTubers. Aaron, Oakley, um, who else? I feel like there's, oh, uh, well, we've never had a communication with Joey Graceffa, but uh, we were never too high on, nobody's ever been too high on him. I think Ryan and Rob are the only broadly YouTube team who've ever actually liked us. Yes. And of course, Michael already had to burden that bridge within the first uh, 10 minutes of this podcast. Um, (laughs) Maybe with Ryan, Rob still loves me. (laughs) (laughs) So, both are around your age, Michael. They're both 23. Um, I know you pointed this out when the cast was officially announced, but it makes me feel so old to know there are four people in this cast who are younger than me. Yes, and I'm a couple years older than you, and you're you're pretty much at the state of mind where I was a couple years ago, where you start where, especially for me, because I've been watching reality TV since Survivor debuted uh, in 2000, so to go from being eight years old watching it back then, to watching all these reality shows, and now in 2017 to have, well, there's a couple contestants that are exactly my age, so there could be up to eight of the 20 contestants this season are younger than me. That makes me feel really, 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 really old. Even though I'm only 24, still makes me feel really, really old. Yes. So, yeah, they say they're going to be unicorns, um, they're going to be a flamingo and a flock of pigeons, whatever the hell that means, and they probably have the worst proposed pop duo team name ever in their bios, where they're going to refer to themselves as the Peachy Butts, so maybe Andrea and Ebony are going to try eating them, I don't know. See, one of the many teams from Toronto, so cue the casual fan complaints that there's too many Ontario or and or Toronto teams this season. And they say that they go after the Millennials, which ties into a CTV press release before the start of the season saying that this season's, one of the season's goals by producers is to target Millennials. Did they not see what happened to the American version with social media theme? <laughs> Let me be abundantly clear. If they're not awful, I will be surprised. But it's just such a bad strategy by CTV to go into that direction because millennials do not have cable. They don't. Very Or very few do who do not know how to spend their money wisely. Very few of them have cable, and your ratings will not go up. I know they took a bit of a ratings hit with the Masonry's Canada 4, but still got all the awards. But panicking and going after millennials is not going to be the way to fill that gap. You just have to keep your existing audience or build upon it with international destinations, but don't don't try to please, don't try to please the millennials. It's a it's a lose-lose. Because then you're, you're just going to alienate your existing audience. Everything in their bio screams to me that they're going to be horrendous. 
<laughs> Jesus. Um, and I don't mean this in a Gino and Jesse way that I actually hate them, but everything in their bio screams that they are going to want to be the centres of attention, that they have zero life experience, but the, everything in their bio just screams like they are not going to be entertaining television to me. The bar is definitely low. If they get too much airtime, then it's really going to piss off a lot of the audience, I think. But if they're a bit more low-key and... Um, did you get a chance to watch any of the videos? I didn't. That's the only thing I've not not done. I've seen the Racer Files and I've seen their written bios. Okay. So not only did I check out the CTV bonus videos, but I also, because they're on YouTube, I checked out a couple of their videos online. And if they just tone down that energy a little bit then I think they'll be bearable television for the most part. But if it's too Joey and Megan-ish, then it's, I, could see it being a, I could see it being a problem. Their overall comedic tone in their YouTube videos, not exactly my taste. <laughs> um, probably because they're going after millennials, even though... Are, are, we, are we defined as millennials, Michael? I think we are. Because Gen X, at least on Survivor, was anything up to 32, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't really associate myself with that term too much. I mean, I still have a Super Nintendo plugged in my room. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there was a couple of videos where I was thinking, yeah, this isn't really geared towards me. And then they did a reaction video of, have you heard of this Instagram guy named Bretman Rock? No. It's supposed to be this guy who I guess goes to school in some foreign country where he just pretends to be a diva the whole time. And it's supposed to have this big following on Instagram. So, but Dan and Rhea have a reaction video to it. And the Bretman Rock videos? They're not funny. At all. At all. Apparently they've got <laughs> a successful YouTube channel here. With like 19 million views on one of their videos. I've never heard of them. I've never heard of them either. And a lot of their other, other videos, um, a lot of them are in the six digits or less. So it's just that one video. I didn't even actually. I didn't even find the one video on YouTube when I searched their names that had the 14 million views. So I don't know if that's just made up or if I'm just a complete idiot with the searching on YouTube, or if YouTube's just trying to hide the video after 14 million views and said, oh, "Okay, that's enough, guys." I, I don't really know. Maybe CTV took it to mean that or Reddit as one of their videos has got 14 million, but it's actually 14 million total views over their videos. Maybe they just paid a bunch of people to repeatedly click on their video thousands of times each day, and then they just paid enough people to do it that it, that they were able to get about 13 million of those 14 million views right there. Because let's be honest, the copy editing on the website this season is terrible. It is awful, some of the editing that they've done on these bios. And we'll get there fairly soon with... Uh, two of the bios that I've noticed mistakes on. There's a cracking mistake on one of the bios. Yes. <laughs> and not the type of crack we would associate with uh, Andrea and Ebony, we should No, say. I, I don't know whether you've noticed some of the spelling errors that they've not picked up on, for example, but whoever edited those bios needs a wake-up call, if nothing else. Wake I, up, Canada. Wake up. I know we don't have the... John the best Hardy. relationship with editors of Amazing Race Canada anymore. But, yeah, they really need to, like, proofread things. <laughs> and in their videos, you're going to love this, Michael. I mentioned this specifically because I knew it would piss you off. Um, but in their, uh, they, there's a segment for all the teams called What's in Your Bag, which 
always uh, makes me think of Ludacris with with uh, what's in that bag. Tell me what's in that bag. Um, but in all seriousness, though, Rhea goes about two seconds before mentioning the YouTube channel, and she said she's bringing a journal because on the downtime at each pit stop, she said it'd be great for her and Dan to write down content for their YouTube channel. And their toques have the YouTube symbols on them. Kill me now. So YouTube, 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 and YouTube. Um, that's Hopefully we get into conversations that are not YouTube related with them. That, that, that would be fantastic. Can you hear something blowing in the wind? It sounds like, kill me now. <laughs> um, Did you notice who Rhea's hero was as well? breaking the MH rules. Did did she say one of her parents? She said herself. Herself. She's her own hero. It's very Dwight K. Schrute from The Office, where there's a hero inside of all of us. (laughs) For Amazing Race Canada 3, I wrote down a list of biographical mistakes, mainly inspired by the shit show that was Gino and Jesse's one. And one of the MH rules was, nobody you relate to is your hero. However, Rhea's taken it a step further by making herself her own hero. That's not how heroes work. You cannot inspire yourself. Especially at 23. Uh, you could have a mirror, I guess. That is so vain. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> and this is a team that's not going to like us. <laughs> They're not going to like you, Michael. <laughs> I don't know, you've said some bad things about them as well. Yeah, it's all in jest. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I set my expectations as we as we always do on the preview podcast. We're the least. This is the point in the season where the, we're the least attached to all the teams. So we just try to stockpile on everything we we say that's negative, and then after the first episode airs, then we try to repair all the damage we've done and start sucking up to every team possible. We probably should have prefaced this preview with the usual warning of this is mainly to see how far we can push it with you guys. Yes. That, 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 yes. Ed- edit this into the beginning, Michael, but yes. After ten minutes of ragging on Dad and Rhea, yeah, we're just joking, guys. We don't really hate you. <laughs> but that's that's what we do each year. We always... we all, Well, not each year. Several times a year. This is the uh, 14th one, can I point out. 14 seasons of Amazing Race coverage for us. We always push the jokes as far as we can in the preview podcast because any team who can get through this podcast and still like us means we like them in return. As long as everyone's in on the joke, it's all it's all it's all fun, and then we just keep having fun week after week after week. Not Michael because he'll hate this season, but 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 still, I'm going into this season hating every second already. Apart from one team who we will talk about, who I adore, but. I'm going into this hating it already. You guys have got to surprise me by not being crap. Mm -hmm. Because my expectations are super low right now. My expectations for this season are probably the lowest of any Amazing Race Canada season, other than season one, of course. Especially Uh, when we're still talking about a team who are obsessed with High School Musical, which, if I'm not mistaken, ended in 2007. Yeah, I was about to say, that's like the first time I've heard anybody obsess over High School Musical since I was in high school. (laughs) And the one redeeming factor for Rhea, though, is that her favorite movie is Life of Pi. So give her a few points there, Michael, because that's good taste. And 
And her nickname is Riri, and I'm trying really hard not to do some sort of mildly offensive Asian impression with that nickname. Come on, double down on the offense. I don't know, I live too close to uh, to Richmond to be able to pull that off. In fact, I will be going to Richmond probably in September after I'm in Barcelona. So yeah, um, uh, I just want them to calm down with their energy, not be the... Just be a minor character in terms of editing, and I think it'll be okay with them. And they did compare themselves to Kelly and Kate, and Kelly and Kate are legends, so they, they don't... It's not the... It could have been worse, Michael. It could have been worse. Basically, if they're indicative of this season, God help us all. <laughs> um, and out of the ten teams... I have them, or let's see, I originally had them 8th, but then I saw the other bios and corrected myself, and I put them in, ooh, I put them in 6th. In a tribute to Gino and Jesse, I'm going to say this, they're going to stick around far too long and annoy the shit out of me. So they're going to be ninth, is what you're saying? They're not the team who I think are going to go out on an international leg, or hope they go out on an international leg. Because there are some deliriously not well-traveled teams in this season. So let's move on to team number two. A team you do like, I know. Probably your favorite team. Adam and Andrea, siblings from Quebec. And they're Italian, which means... One million percent you are correct. They are my favorite team of the season. Because, apart from them not being exes, they fulfill every archetype I love on The Amazing Race. They're bickering, they're from Quebec, they have Italian heritage. They seem like they're basically going to be the second coming of Nick and Sabrina, apart from they're not dating. Yes. The time, Amore! They just seem like everything I want in an Amazing Race Canada team, and I'm not going to be able to say that a lot for this season. Yes, it's... Every team from Quebec is always... They're always amazing. No team from Quebec has ever let me down. And I hope and pray that continues. It's quite the Hall of Fame we got going for Quebec. We've got Bretton Hawley from season one, um, who led to the infamous fuck off statement by Get Fit and Fuck Off. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Alain and Audrey. We got Pierre and Michels, uh, who are one of them is a separatist, which just amuses me to no end. Um, we've got uh, Nick and Sabrina. Love, 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 love. And we have the crazy Quebec separatist man who does kayak hockey as well, don't forget him. Yes, from season three, yes, the guy who invented kayak hockey and threatened to sue CTV for millions of dollars. That is dollars with two Ds. Yes, I said that the uh, Adam and Andrea sound like they're going to be intense bickertons. Andrea's got some, she's got some injuries. Uh, she tore ACL, her MCL, and uh, meniscus while playing basketball. Outside the school. A couple of guys there were up to no good. Started making trouble in the neighborhood. We got in one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you remember to see Auntie and Uncle in Bel Air? Yes. And I mean, this cab was rare. The license plate said fresh and it had dice in the mare. Anyone would say that this cab was rare. I was like, no, your home's, your home's in Bel Air. All right, all right. Moving on from Will Smith when he was actually good. Prior to this injury, though, Andrew was very cautious, but considering that as Brandon Bellinger would say from Survivor Guatemala, uh, the brave may not live long, but the cautious do not live at all. And that appears to be Andrea's motto, as she has escaped from the bubble and is now just doing everything. And maybe she'll tear the ACL, MCL, and meniscus in her other knee. You never know. 
And I don't know why uh, Andrea's nicknaming her team after uh, a basketball team that frequently chokes, but her and Adam's uh, team nickname will be the Cavs, uh, which means it'll take them uh, four chances at the Amazing Race Canada before they win once. And they will just, they will struggle against any team from the West Coast. So let's see. Um, I just had a bunch of Cleveland Cavalier jokes, quite frankly. Um, I'm just going to blame their team nickname on Dan and Rhea. I think just everything I'm probably going to blame on Dan and Rhea. And they they occasionally type in uh, their criticisms of each other in all caps. Like uh, Adam's, uh, Andrea says that Adam is impatient. So impatient! And uh, I think Adam said something similar about uh, Andrea, also in all caps. Yeah, she overthinks things. And I have in all caps, this is going to be glorious. Because I am on record as loving a hot mess team. See, Brooke and Scott. Like, if they last long enough to start bickering at each other, it's going to be wonderful. And it'll actually give me something to talk about on the podcast. Let's see. Um, Adam says Andrea's not competitive in the video, which you didn't get to see, Michael. And then they follow it up by saying that Andrea has to win every argument. So I don't think Adam is aware of how competitive Andrea is. No, uh, Just a note to other siblings out there. If you have a brother or sister that has to win every argument, that means they're probably the most competitive person out of the two of you. You have to win every argument. No, you don't. <laughs> um, and, uh, let's see. Oh, yes. And, of course, this was from the... They brought back the famous uh, Chevrolet interview videos this season, except instead of it being 10 seconds long, they get a full minute for each of these Chevrolet videos, where at the start of it, it lists the uh, facts about each team member. And then the Chevrolet has a fact about itself as if it were a person. So keep that in mind, because there was one particular Chevrolet fact that made me laugh out loud. Yeah, I, I have something to say about Chevrolet facts as well. You notice how on the bios there were facts about the Chevy that they could win? Yes. One of them was, and I quote, standard teen driver technology. I looked that up. That shit's creepy. What? What is it? They actually did use it in season three, I think it was. It's the one where it gives you a report card of how well you're doing. But it allows parents to um, monitor their kids' driving. You can link it to certain keys to unlock the car. And that it'll give them a report or whatever. You can limit the speed. You can mute everything until everyone in the front is buckled in. What you the can... hell? Yeah, exactly. It's creepy as all hell. Um, what else can you do? It automatically brakes for you. You can switch that on. Uh, it blares at you if you're getting a bit too close to the car in front or behind. It's just weird. What year are we living in? Yeah, and apparently this is, like, standard in most Chevys now. And I just think that is quite creepy. The creepiest sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Chevy. You creepy. So, yeah. Let's see. Oh, and uh, other tidbits from their videos. Andrea's favorite emoji is the brace emoji. Um, well, that wasn't from the video. That's actually from the racer file. Um, she packed a foam roller for the race because of her knee. Um, Adam also brought muscle gel. And he said he has a great sense of direction, but he brought a compass anyway. So he brought a compass just so we didn't have to use a compass. To be fair, there are worse things to bring on The Amazing Race than a compass. 
Like, for example, Blair's 50 million electrical appliances. Yes. Which one of the teams gets about relatively close there, it seems like. Surprisingly, a lot, this is fairly common with a lot of the teams, but a lot of the other teams said that they want to, that they said, oh, I brought the makeup, or I brought this, or I brought moisturizer, and all this other stuff, just because they said, well, I know it's unnecessary, but I want to look good on camera. I'm going to invoke Michelle here. Why? <laughs> they want to be looking good on camera supersedes doing well at the Amazing Race Canada, apparently. You're here to win a quarter of a million dollars and you car each and tires for life or whatever Canadian tire are going to give away. Tires for life. Yeah, it's pointless to look good. Because especially when you're running through warm countries, not going to say which ones because we've already done that and Wayne will kill us. Can't sleep, Wayne will eat me. Yeah, when you're running through warm countries, you're just going to look like a hot mess anyway. Yeah, but this is, maybe they'll learn after the first leg that the makeup's kind of pointless and all the other stuff. And apparently uh, one of the other teams is just spends about two hours uh, grooming their mustache. And it's not who you think it is. Um, Zed, who incidentally is our next team coming up. But uh, first, with Adam and Andrea, I still expect them to finish in fourth. Uh, They could change drastically after the first episode because I don't know the shape that Andrea's knee will be in. Did you notice who they compared themselves to as well? No one. No one, because they're unique. Wrong. The correct answer is a mix of Suki and Jinder and Nick and Sabrina. Yeah, that's they don't know how. A lot of teams don't know how to properly compare themselves. I would agree that they're probably going to end up being fourth because that is the traditional position of my favorite Amazing Race Canada teams. Indeed. All right, Zed and Shabir, a team that's not too shabby, as I like to say. They are father and son from Vancouver. This is a team where, like. We're going to wildly differ, I suspect. I I like them. You probably expected me to like them. Shabir's favorite travel destination is Zanzibar, which is fitting because Shabir kind of looks like Freddie Mercury. In fact, I would say that Shabir looks like a cross between Freddie Mercury and Mahatma Gandhi. And Zed, of course, is the most Canadian name possible, given that he's named after the 26th letter of the Canadian alphabet. And Shabir is... I can't believe I'm saying this, but in... This season and last season combined, Shabir is the fourth Congolese Canadian racer to be cast. No, did anyone expect that? No! Four Congolese Canadians. Because, you know, there's a huge TV market uh, with Congolese Canadians in it. I don't think any other Amazing Race franchise has had Congolese people in it, but but Canada? We We just can't get enough. I don't think I've even met anybody from the Congo. Neither the Democratic Republic of the Congo, nor Republic of the Congo, or its former name, known as Zaire. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of them. Zed dressed up as Jose Bautista of the Toronto Blue Jays, and he looks a lot like him. I have no idea who that is. Baseball player. Canada's most iconic baseball player. He's not Canadian, but he plays for a Canadian team. As you well know, I couldn't give less of a shit about sports. I know. It's the one other than Elias Theodoro. Jose Bautista is like the only athlete in Canada that I remotely care about. And Zed is in pharma sales as well. Yeah. You don't always cling to the negative, Michael. You can't even defend that. And they were going to wear hats where uh, they're going to be known as Team Beard and Bald. And I'm not sure how Shabir passed the medical. If he's 
newly in remission from colon cancer. Actually, in his pack, he did pack a lot of uh, therapeutic stuff uh, for his various ailments in his bag. You're right about that. Yeah, he said in his racer file that he wouldn't be able to live without his meds. That is not a good sign for anyone on The Amazing Race, which arguably is one of the most stressful TV shows to be on. And uh, also in one of the video interviews, he said he probably wouldn't be able to do The Amazing Race Canada in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, probably for his own sake, it might be best if he goes early. I don't I don't think he's like as decrepit as, say, Mel and Mike, though, from uh, Season 18, where you just waited for uh, Mel to die. I don't think Shabir's in that bad a shape. I mean, it depends on how recently in remission he is. But if they're mentioning it, it's going to come up. Yeah, it's not like he's undergoing chemo on the race or anything. And Zed loves pizza. So maybe uh, one of those uh, Toronto... What's that one? Uh, there's like this one Ontario-based pizza company, uh, pizza chain that's really popular there. Pizza Pizza. Pizza Pizza. I thought it was that, but I'm like, no... That's just too lame of a name for a pizza chain. But yes, hopefully Pizza Pizza becomes a sponsor for Zed's sake, much like Orange Julius was a sponsor for Nick and Sabrina's sake. I will 100% vouch that Pizza Pizza is awesome. It's uh, one of the best airport meals I've ever had. Did I tell you about my Pizza Pizza story? No, you didn't. When uh, my family and I, when we were in Toronto for two and a half days, we saw a Toronto Raptors basketball game. And if the Raptors score over 100 points, everybody gets a free slice or it's either free slice or a free pizza from Pizza Pizza. And I really wanted that free. I want really wanted that free pizza from Pizza Pizza. And then nobody else wanted to. We, we even drove by a couple of them. And then by the time we got back to the hotel with my parents and my brother, there wasn't a Pizza Pizza nearby. And I never got my free Pizza Pizza. So to this day, I've never had Pizza Pizza Pizza. Well, when uh, when we were flying home from Toronto, there was a meal deal on at the Pizza Pizza before security, which was an 18-inch pizza and four large drinks for, like, the equivalent of about £10. And if you didn't finish the pizza, you could take it through security and eat it on the plane. It's not a bad deal. It's like, what the hell, guys? This is awesome. Yeah, then you don't have to pay anything on the planes because Air Canada and WestJet are too damn cheap. Well, Air Transat did allow me food, it just wasn't very nice on the planes. Mm. It's no Turkish Airlines, I will say. <laughs> I'm flying with BA next year. British Airways? Yeah. Oh, fancy. No Ryanair for you. Well, I doubt Ryanair would fly to Beijing. <laughs> At least I would hope not, because you wouldn't get any old luggage. They'd be constantly trying to sell you scratch cards. It goes to charity, though. <laughs> the Michael O'Leary Retirement Fund, that's the charity. <laughs> and um, Zed and Shabir have the first wonderful typo in their bio. Did you notice this one? No, I did not. I've written it down. Zed's approach is tackling problems head on, while Shabir prefers to take the time to ass his situation. Oh, I just said to ass a situation? Yeah, instead of assess situations, it's asses situations. <laughs> and this is genuinely on the internet for life. Did you screen cap it? Yes. <laughs> to ask the situation. Oh man, Andrea and Ebony would find that hilarious. Um, this is just a wonderful example of why whoever copy edits that website really needs to get fired. Um, so, of course, 
Zed's favorite book is one of my favorite books, Harry, po- Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Shabir's nickname is Shab Spidey, which is a step, probably a step above fellow Congolese Canadian Anthony, whose nickname was Booby Miles. I've forgotten about Booby Miles. Well, most most people have. Most people don't typically remember the first team eliminated from a season of Amazing Race Canada unless they're uh, Shala and Nabila. <laughs> oh, I love Shala and Nabila. Perfect storyline. Per- everyone knew they were going out first, and they didn't disappoint. Ah, Charlie Horse. <laughs> I can't feel my legs. Jen and Sean, you're somehow still in the race. But don't worry. We're going to tackle that shoulder by the end of the next leg. Remember when Amazing Race Canada was good and fun. Ah, when good times. people had Charlie horses and horses in both their legs and were dislocating their shoulders to the point of evacuation. On that subject, listen to Amazing Race Canada is supposed to be good and fun, our retrospective of the first four seasons, which I will also link in this podcast. Yes. And did you notice where uh, Shabir wants to go on his next road trip if he wins Amazing Race Canada? Uh, road trip? Yeah. Ghana? <laughs> no, 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 nothing that exotic. Where? Oh, he yeah, wants, downtown? He wants to go to Tofino or Euclid? Eucalypt? Did you Google Eucalypt? I did. It's on Vancouver Island. Oh. Hmm. U- I learned Euclid- something new. It's spelled Euclid. Anyway, they're both BC. And they're yeah. both stupid places to want to go. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Not mincing words. So yeah, where do you think they're going to finish? Uh, I say uh, fifth. Really? Uh, Yeah. I think I think Shabir can pull it off. You don't think Shabir's going to die before then? I think that's when Shabir will die. <laughs> and and you can't really diss Shabir because he likes James Brown and Santana, who are two of my favorite artists of all time. Yeah, I'll agree with the, uh, the Santana love. Oh, and you'll love this in the video. Zed packed a ball because he said his first word was ball, and then he proceeded to say that he loves balls. Not as much as... Uh, Shamir does from Amazing Race 29, but pretty close. Ouchies, my balls. <laughs> Did you notice on our uh, Amazing Race 29 finale recap, we we named it Say Balls in honour of you and Shamir? Yes, yes, I did notice that. <laughs> that was 100% a reference to Shamir in your photo. <laughs> <laughs> balls. Uh-huh. Have you got any good Amazing Race 29 finale stories as well? Oh, Yeah. I guess this now would be probably a good time for it after bitching about Amazing Race Canada for close to an hour. Uh, let's see. Uh, specifically at the finale, um, it was at the parlor. Um, well, well, not not just specific, not just specifically about the finale, but about your adventures in LA. Seeing as though we're not doing a separate podcast this year. Oh yes. Um, so let's see. Um, I hung out with uh, Stephanie Katz, who is fairly well known in the Survivor community. Um, I met her last year along with uh, Renee and a few others. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, she took me out to her uh, bar where her and her co-workers from the Hard Rock Cafe like to hang out. And the bar had Super Mario Brothers 3 for the NES with the cartridge all set up in, uh, on a big screen. So I, so I played that while intoxicated uh, with one of her co-workers... And I only died once in the first two and a half worlds. And the only reason why we didn't play anymore is because 
her co-worker, she lost all of her lives playing as Luigi. And for some reason, the continue or exit button wouldn't work. So I was just stuck on that one screen. So I didn't get to beat uh, the first four worlds in, all, in one sitting like I normally do. And let's see, we uh, her and her roommate were celebrating their birthday, so uh, we got uh, a big birthday cake that night and just split it between the three of us. I had a huge uh, margarita, which I haven't posted a photo of yet, at the Santa Monica Pier. Oh yeah, for the, the next day, uh, we celebrated uh, Stephanie's birthday on the stoop of her apartment in Hollywood, and a bunch of her friends came out. And one of them brought boxed wine, and I've never had boxed wine before. So they said it'll hit you like a wave if you have so many glasses of it. It'll just hit you like a wave at once. And sure enough for me, it did. Spoilers, I'd be very surprised if you've not had boxed wine given my family. Mom and dad will love a wine box. So I, I bet you the, had some, wine, uh, some boxed wine at Christmas. So I pretty much just uh, lay down the front lawn instead of sitting in the chair just so I could... Uh, I had to slowly sober my or pass myself as being sober for the Amazing Race finale event uh, later on that evening. So I get to the event, and I think there's... that that picture may have been the point where I messaged Scott Brooke and Redmond saying, "Please keep an eye on him tonight. He looks like he's going to be a mess." Oh, did I already upload the photo of me drinking the cup of wine? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I think you put up the status that afternoon saying you were already rat-assed at about. 2 p.m. and I'm just like, please don't humiliate us on the podcast. <laughs> you actually message? Did they message back before then? Yes. <laughs> Damn it! Never say that I don't care for you. <laughs> I'm looking out. Jesus. So but um... I, I genuinely did uh, send a message to basically everyone I knew was going to be at that party, saying, "Please just keep an eye on him. He looks like he's going to be an absolute mess." <laughs> That's funny because I was soberish by the time I got to the finale. I'm like, oh, I really don't need a repeat of the Survivor co wrong after party. So I would have loved you to have done a, a, a repeat of the Survivor co wrong after party. Stephanie would not have loved a repeat <laughs> <laughs> because that was one of my favorite things last year. Um, so, anyways. Uh, I get to the parlor, and I go up there a bit early because I know L.A. traffic can be unpredictable, but it was pretty much right within Hollywood, so I was there, I think, about 40 minutes early before they were scheduled to show up. So, uh, But the event had to be delayed anyway because Game 1 of the NBA Finals was going on, and it was Golden State and Cleveland playing. So, of course, it's in L.A., so everyone's going crazy over the game, and... They're like, oh, there's a reserved line, unreserved line. I'm like, I'm probably in the unreserved line, but I'm going to pretend to be in the reserved line and pretend I'm somebody and get in sooner rather than just hanging outside where there was a group of people who, who kept lying up outside trying to demo their uh, rap albums and stuff. Oh, yeah, I know those sort of people. So uh, I'm like, I'm going to go in the reserved line. And, and then so then the guy's like, oh, uh well, what name are you under? And I just say, oh, you know, I'm Logan Saunders. He's like, okay, you're in. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I wasn't on that list because he didn't, he didn't even look down, but I just pretended to be somebody. So I got to be in there probably half an hour sooner because the guy wasn't even acknowledging the other line. And the other motivation for me to pretend to be somebody is because about two minutes earlier, I saw Marlon Waynes quickly peek his head out to let some of his friends in. So I'm like, man, Marlon Waynes is here. Marlon Waynes. 
I grew up watching that guy. I would put money on Broken Scott having put you on a guest list. Yeah, probably. I'm sure maybe my name was on there, but it was funny that the guy didn't even look down. So I get in there, and there's nobody else there. Not not even not even Mertz is there yet. And Mertz is everywhere. Mertz is yeah, that's what I mean. Mertz is uh, everywhere, being creepy and weird and annoying. But uh, he wasn't there, and uh, he was the next one to show up there. Sadly, um, I talked to him for about two seconds, and like I I really can't talk to this guy anymore. Because especially what pissed me off is that at one point. Um, the so there's photographers from After Buzz TV and one other pro- professional photographer there, and they're like, "Okay, cast photo." Mertz goes into the cast photo, even though he's definitely, according to my knowledge, never been in the cast of any reality show. So he goes into the season 29 cast photo, and uh, people did not look too impressed. I will say, I know more specific details. Um, and then they waved in Peach Georgia to be in the photo because it's like, well, if Mertz is allowed to be in the photo, to to be in the cast photo, then let's get a photo with Peach Georgia, who they actually like. And they took a photo with Peach Georgia, and then I'm just on the sideline saying, I'm not that type of person. I'm cool with the position I'm in. I know I'm a fringe kind of a fringe guy anyway. When it comes to the reality TV community. I'm just going to socialize with everybody else and, you know, talk to Brennan, who won season one of The Amazing Race when I was 10 years old. And I know I'm going to have enough time to talk with the rest of the cast for the remainder of the night. And I mean, I've talked to Van quite a bit. I talked to Floyd quite a bit. Um, Once, uh, because a lot of people wanted to talk to Scott because, I mean, it was his event and most people knew that he won. (laughs) So... After uh, after the finale and a lot of the people were filtering out, I think it was, the place was about to close down. Then uh, I talked to Scott a little bit afterwards, and then we go outside, and it was what was it? It was Scott, Floyd, Becca, myself, and somebody else, um, and we're just walking down Hollywood for a while. Um, I think Floyd. This is when Floyd or Becca gives me one of their uh, hashtag uh, fun meters, and and. And then I was telling, and then uh, I was trying to message my friend Stephanie, saying, "Oh yeah, the finale is over. Are you around?" Because she was, she went out with her coworkers to do a little bit of partying and stuff at the various bars around Hollywood, but she didn't answer right away. And I'm like, "Well, I really, for other reasons, I didn't want to go back to her apartment uh, right away that I can't really talk about on this podcast." And then uh, it's not it's nothing bad or anything. It's just it's just a bit more gossipy, if anything. Ooh, I like gossip. And then I knew that I still had been I didn't eat enough in comparison to how much I drank during the day. And I was staying at Stephanie's place uh, that night, so I'm like, well, she was fine with me drinking at the Survivor Co Wrong finale because I was just going over staying at Renee's sister's place. But this is Steph's place herself with her and her roommate, so it's probably best if uh, I get some. Uh, food and water in me and a bunch of the contestants were staying at a mansion in the hollywood hills for a couple of days scott wasn't staying there because he already he's already living in la and uh, a couple of others so uh, scott uh drove the five of us out to a mansion um becca had to sit on floyd's knee because there wasn't enough room in the car and i had the longest leg so i got to sit in the passenger seat next to scott um so then uh, we drive up to the mansion and then Steph's like, "Oh, I'm getting. I'm thinking about going to bed soon. Um, I'll have to stay up to uh, wait for you to get back." So I'm like, "Well, I can't really stay out at the mansion too late then." 
And then uh, I knew I was kind of uh, pushing it with going to the mansion because it was just the contestants and stuff. I don't think they really would want some random podcaster there. So I was just mainly there. The only reason, the main reason why I went there is because uh, Scott's and a couple of other guys were saying that there's chips and other food there. And I'm like, I just need to eat something and get some water in me. So I found a bottle of water and they had a bunch of chips laying about. So I ate some chips, drank some water and then called my Uber and then took an Uber back to uh, Stephanie's place. And they were all playing uh, shirt- shirtless billiards was the game uh, at the mansion. <laughs> I think you sort of sell yourself short. I think you don't realize how many people in that cast actually quite like you. It's just weird, because I'm just from the small Canadian town. I'm not like Mertz, where I think I'm a celebrity at all. You know, I'm just Logan Saunders from Vernon, you know? (laughs) You are, but especially last season, a lot of those people really like us. I mean, Brooke and Scott obviously like us a lot, given the fact that, you know, I'm meeting them both in London next month. Joey and Mike, for example, love us. You wouldn't have predicted that from the previews. And this Mm -hmm. is what I'm getting back onto, you know, the actual topic of this podcast. This is what we mean about the previews being a little bit different to our recaps. Spoilers, my attitude's probably not going to change that much, unless this actually ends up being a decent season. <laughs> but we are quite different on the previews because we don't really know you guys. Joey did not like our preview, and a lot of people in that cast did not like our preview. But they learned to love us. Learn to love. <laughs> That's the message of our podcast. Open your hearts. <laughs> okay. So let's get back to this... uh, To our fourth team. (laughs) To our fourth team, uh, Megan and Courtney. Goofy Newfies. Oh, oh, Goofy is your your Newfie. How loose is your goose? Come on, everybody, and shake your caboose. Shake your caboose. I'm bored already of them. And they're cousins, but I don't think they're going to be Charlotte and Myrna caliber of cousins. No, they're going to be Dana and Amanda. Uh, Apparently they're nicknamed the Bundys. Because I guess their family is loud and crazy, and they do uh, courtesy toilet flushes, and they put they shove their hands down their pants. One hundred percent, they're gonna be the new Dana and Amanda. One of Megan's favorite films is my sister's least favorite film, The Notebook. You really think with a bio like that that they're gonna last a single international leg? I don't know. I don't think they could even last like a single like big Vancouver or Toronto or. Calgary or Edmonton or Winnipeg leg because they said that St. John's, Newfoundland is too big of a city for them. St. John's, Newfoundland is too big. Right. Seriously. If you are going to have that sort of an attitude, why do you want to do The Amazing Race when it is all about travelling to new places? And... This is just indicative of this season for me. The fact that not even a spot that's stolen by them but the fact that they cast a team who actively do not want to travel to big places and that you're then going to put them in a city of 20 plus million people oh yeah them in Beijing they would just they would just crawl into the fetal position and quit exactly i mean it's gobsmacking that there is a city in the world that is a th- that has a population a third of the size of the uk's yeah, it's, it's going to end badly for them. Courtney also breaks the Italy rule by saying that the place she wants to go to the most in the world is Italy. There's no quiet places in Italy, unless you go to the middle of nowhere like Logan did to meet his family. 
even that place is not quiet because it's a very it's a very passionate household. My cousins are in uh, Italy, and the rest of and the rest of Italy is fairly is fairly loud. Didn't especially, your especially when you're walking late at night and those motorcycles are ripping by? Didn't your ancestors flee a very loud situation in Italy? Maybe <laughs> gunshots. Maybe gunshots. We don't know what those loud bangs were. It's podcast uh, two hundred. I've got to bring back some of the favorite jokes and. They come up with some of the worst quotes I think I've ever heard, where one of them sounds like a rejected quote from Tupac's California Love by saying, Girls from the Bay trying to win our own way. If your city's, if you think your city's in the, the bomb, <laughs> city's making paper, put up a finger, feel the same way. Megan and Courtney, put it down for California IA. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure they know what autobiography titles are either. They both wrote essays for their autobiography titles. It's kind of like Dwight K. Schrute from The Office saying, um, "What the title of Michael's autobiography right now is, what is Michael thinking? Slash, what did Jan say? The Michael Scott story, written by Michael Scott and co-written by Dwight K. Schrute. One of them said, a social work student who tells jokes would be her title. And the other said, blondes have more fun and they can read. They are not autobiography titles. If you wrote a book with either of those titles, nobody would buy it. And Meg, Megan's favorite celebrity is Khloe Kardashian. She listed a Kardashian, so I don't know anything about the Kardashians other than somehow they're related to the Jenners and somehow tied into O.J. Simpson, and one of them makes socks, and one of them is married to Kanye West. That's the limit of my uh, Kardashian knowledge. And also, Megan looks a little bit like Nicole from Big Brother in that promo picture. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's true. She really does. Maybe not in real life from the screen grab of the video that I've seen of her. But she really looks like Nicole from Big Brother. And I should point out, Megan and Courtney are cousins in Newfoundland. But isn't everybody? aren't everybody cousins in Newfoundland? I'm not sure, but apparently there's no East Coast teams this season. Yeah, nobody from the Maritimes at all. I actually saw the complaint that there was no East Coast teams whatsoever. My response to that is, Megan and Courtney are really that forgettable already? And the crazy thing is, is that there's been no team from New Brunswick yet in the Amazing Race, but if you go by New Brunswick's population compared to the rest of Canada, we're now there's now been enough teams racing on Amazing Race Canada where this year New Brunswick was due for a team, and they, and they did not get it. Maybe for season six, because I think they roughly make up just over two percent of the population at around seven hundred fifty thousand people. So they should have had a team this year, but instead we get a second team from Newfoundland who looks to—they're not even going to live up to Dana and Amanda's legacy. So Dan yeah. and Rhea can be the the honorary members of New Brunswick. Yeah, just they'll just feed New Brunswick to them. Um, They'll claim anything. <laughs> Let's see. Meg's favorite emoji is the poop emoji. So that's very fitting for the team. Can, can we uh, just not talk about the favorite emoji question? It's the stupidest question they've ever asked on an Amazing Race buyer. Yes. That's why I'm mentioning it. Um, and Megan nicknames herself Maggie B. No relation to Mikey B from Survivor Micronesia. Who's Mikey B? Exactly. Who's Maggie B? That's that, that, that's that's what we're going to be asking ourselves in about five weeks from now. And they are another team who are both younger than me. Let's see. Oh, you, you think Megan is European because she does not like to put the tops back on things. So I guess in Newfoundland, uh, a lot of men just like to walk around shirtless. 
because that's the Megan way. <laughs> See, I was going to avoid making that sort of a joke, but... <laughs> um, and they both, their fear, this is prob- probably going to be the one of the weirdest fears for both team members to share. I don't know what it is, maybe something to do with Newfoundland, but both team members fear birds. Well, to be fair, they are generally gestating a clone army. Do I, have, I, I guess they've just watched too many Alfred Hitchcock films, is my guess. And because I forgot that there was only 10 teams in this season, I, I thought there was 11 teams, and I initially wrote down that they would finish 11th in this season. <laughs> there are teams so bad they finish 11th out of 10. <laughs> but yeah, I, I put down 11th, I'm like, oh man, it doesn't, things aren't really going to bode well for them. <laughs> Is Shala Nabila just going to swap in and be number 10? Shala Nabila will finally beat a team on the Amazing Race Canada? I would put money on Megan and Courtney not surviving through an international leg. I don't think they'll even survive a domestic leg. Oh, maybe they, they'll survive the first half of the first leg. The starting line's in Newfoundland. I, I can't remember where the first actual location is, which is really bad. Vancouver. Is it? Oh, God. Yeah, they're not going to survive that then. Um... So Courtney is going to bring... Oh, no, no. In the videos, Michael, which you missed out. You missed out on these two gems from Courtney, believe it or not. Courtney brought ketchup onto the race. I'm not kidding. First time ever, I think, in over 40 seasons of Amazing Race I followed. And I've never come across this in any of the foreign language versions either. But a contestant has brought ketchup onto the race. And Courtney describes herself as a napper. So she's... Likes to sleep a lot, and she brought ketchup onto the race, so I don't know how ketchup's going to come in handy on the race. You know, people usually bring bandages or first aid or a compass, but she's like, I brought ketchup because I like to put ketchup on everything. So she's going to put ketchup on the clue and, like, lick off the clue, especially the roadblocks, because the roadblocks are ketchup-colored. Maybe she's just going to be really turned on by roadblock clues then. I know that they said that they're unique and they can't compare themselves to anyone. And my comparison for them was Dana and Amanda. Yes. Are they the second coming of Charlotte and Nabila here? I think Megan and Courtney just have a slightly bigger sense of humour than Dana and Amanda. But yeah, like, uh, Megan and Courtney brought in the Newfoundland flag onto the race. Um, They repeatedly mentioned that Megan is a quick learner, uh, which I think everybody has to be a quick learner on The Amazing Race Canada. So, yeah, this team, I don't know about you, Michael, but I think they're going to be gone so fast, apparently they're going to be gone in 11th. They're going to be eliminated at the start line, and Monty wasn't even planning on eliminating anyone at the start line. They'll be eliminated before the start line. They'll be eliminated faster than uh, Lisa... What's the team from Amazing Race Asia 5? Lisa and Michelle? Vietnamese lesbians. The Vietnamese lesbians, yes. They'll be eliminated even earlier than the Vietnamese lesbians. They'll be eliminated even faster than Bopper on season 24. On the subject of Amazing Race Asia 5, I was mentally preparing my brother for meeting JK next year when we go to Singapore. And I actually blurred the lines over whether um, JK called Treasury a fat bitch or not. I was like, I know that's part of Logan's impression, but I can't actually remember whether that was part of the actual show or not. And it was, wasn't it? I can't remember. He definitely called her fat. I'm not sure if he called her a fat bitch. I think we might have, you know, taken that out of context slightly. What? We wouldn't do that. 
Oh yeah, and with Megan and Courtney, Courtney's uh, this is this is my favorite Chevrolet talking Chevrolet vehicle moment in the Chevrolet video. Courtney's uh, soundtrack for when she goes on the road trip includes Mumbo Number no. Five, Bootylicious, and Wannabe, which to me is like the whitest playlist ever. But the funny, this is the funny part. After she lists those songs, the the Chevrolet vehicle always talks and has uh, facts about itself. And the Chevrolet fact in response to Courtney's playlist was one, two, three, four, five. I have in-vehicle Wi-Fi, so come on, let's ride. The Chevrolet vehicle parodied Mambo Number no. Five. Okay, it's so random. So as random as bringing ketchup onto the race, and it's not the only food item that's or it's not the only uh, food item that's uh, brought onto the race by a contestant this season. Surprisingly, really. Yep, somebody else brings a food item, and it's the team that invokes Gino and Jesse as the team they're most like. Oh, goody. But in the meantime, a team that's actually compared to Gino and Jesse, but I think that's a bit harsh of a comparison, uh, Sam and Paul, boyfriends who met through an online dating app at a concert from Toronto. So we do the first four in order and then skip immediately to Sam and Paul. That's who they came in order on my thing. Yeah, that, that's not who they came in order on the website. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so I really don't have much to say about Simon Paul other than they are very, very prepared for this race. They seem nice, and, you know, they're going to be obvious winners if they win. I even wrote down, probably going to be first, because there's a lot of teams that are there for supposed entertainment value. I think Simon Paul are definitely, like people were saying, oh, uh, before the... You know, before the, I guess, just when team names were flowing around, people were saying, oh, Sam and Paul are probably going to be a Gino and Jesse. But it's like, that's a really harsh thing to say about somebody saying they're going to be the next Volta Mussolini's. With Sam and Paul, they just seem like nice guys who aren't going to be douchey to the online fan base at all. Yeah, Sam was the first person to join the Amazing Race fans group. Yes, and they didn't go around saying, oh... Uh, we lived in this province for half a year, so we're going to represent your province because nobody from your province is on this race. They didn't say, you never have to leave Canada. In fact, Simon and Paul have talked about uh, traveling outside of Canada, and they say that the opportunity with Amazing Race Canada is that they just get to see a lot of places within Canada that they normally wouldn't go see themselves. So as soon as the race is over, they're just going to take off and visit more countries. So, I mean, that's two huge notches uh, above Gino and Jesse right there. They might be. They might not be the most entertaining team, but they're not going to be a team that makes you want to stab somebody in the stomach. Yeah, I mean, Sam and Paul seem nice rather than malicious like the Voldemort Mussolini were. Yeah, there's not going to be any viciousness towards the online fan base or having no sense of humor at all. These guys, these guys are good guys. Um, I mean, they had the funniest answer to the emoji question because one of them said that their favorite emoji is of a monkey covering its eyes, which I didn't even know was an emoji. Yeah, it's the see no evil. Ah, monkey see, the, monkey Monkey don't see, monkey do not do. It's the basis of an absolutely classic Mold UK 2 game, that. The see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Oh, yeah. Let's see. And Paul is a fan of Kid Cudi, and I like Kid Cudi, so... That's good. And they have matching non-special hats, so they don't have anything written on them. It's just matching hats, you know? You don't have to go fancy with it. Sam wants to be a doctor. They both are physically fit. They're intelligent. They're socially aware. One of them has a photographic memory. 
What else? What else? What else? Oh, yes. And they, because of, this is probably the smartest thing anybody has done going into an Amazing Race Canada season. They studied Amazing Race Canada trivia and overall history. Nobody else mentioned that as their prep for Amazing Race Canada. It's the 150th anniversary of Canada. Of course they're going to do something saccharine and awful to do with Canada's 150th birthday. It's like, yes, nobody wants to study Canadian history. I've studied almost every country's history except for Canada. But if I'm going on the Amazing Race Canada, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to suck it up and I'm going to take a glance through my ninth grade social studies book. I mean, it's it's not like America where it actually doesn't have history. Canada does have history, it's just not that interesting. <laughs> and so I predicted they're going to win the season because they just seem so... Oh, they just Their skills overall seem so much higher than everybody else's and considering there's still the unlimited U-turn rule, I would not be surprised if we just... It seems like every season the same team just abuses the U-turn to win the whole season. And Paul's comparison of himself to Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a good one as well. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with the guy from uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Actually, Joseph Gordon-Levitt got a couple of shout-outs, because uh, Zed and Shabir talked about the movie 50-50. Well, that's an obvious comparison for them, given, you know, cancer. Yeah, but I mean, still Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's got to count for something. I wonder why they were cast. Um, so yeah, another Toronto team uh, out of the way. And another Toronto team in the way, because team number six... The team that compared themselves to Gino and Jesse, the Volta Mussolini. So, you know, the team that's going to wants to be as rock bottom as possible, apparently. Hard pass. Is Corey and Ivana. And Ivana was born in both Bosnia and Herzegovina. She was born in two places simultaneously. And what's amazing to me is that Serbia and Montenegro have split up in the Balkans. But not Bosnia and Herzegovina, or as some other people I've heard pronounce it, Herzegovina. Yeah, I was reading their bio earlier, and I read the phrase team they most associate with from previous seasons, Gino and Jesse Montani, and I believe my exact reaction was, fuck you, Corey and Ivana, fuck you right in the face. (laughs) Of all the teams to invoke, especially on this podcast, when we're notable haters of Gino and Jesse because they are awful, that doesn't endear it. You to us, I'm afraid. Yeah, they're starting. They're starting probably even lower than Dan and Rhea, I would say at this point. Yeah, in terms 100%. of stock value. Um, but yeah, with Ivana, she's really both of them are really into fitness. But uh, Ivana's also a, te- uh, a teacher as well, or a substitute teacher, I should say, which kind of reminds me of a fellow Balkans contestant Ivan from uh, the Amazing Race Asia Four, who was from Hungary and was a big fitness guy. And was also a teacher. Um, I wish Ivana would have compared herself to him. Because Ivan's cool. Unlike the Volta Mussolini's. Um, Ivana also kind of reminds me of my second grade uh, gym teacher. Because uh, when I was in the second grade back when I still lived in Abbotsford. Uh, we had a gym teacher ma- named Mrs. Zampregno. Who was this big Eastern European lady who taught gym class. And that was the only job she had in the whole school. And she was like six foot ten, and like two hundred fifty pounds, and could probably beat up any other teacher in the whole school. And um, you don't know how to follow that story, do you? No. <laughs> I mean, they're into fitness, and thanks to their comparison of themselves to Gina and Jesse, I can't wait for them to get fit and fuck off. 
Oh, yeah, and they have really shitty taste in music, too. Like, uh, they said that their favorite song is Alex Trebek's favorite rap song, Panda by Designer. Have you heard of this with Alex Trebek rapping Panda? I have not. Uh, okay, so a few about a couple months ago, or maybe it was longer, uh, my coworkers were telling me about how uh, there was this one category on College Week or Teen Week where it was just rap lyrics. Of course, it's all Drake-style song rap lyrics, so none of the songs were any good. And the $1,000 rap lyric question was just, Panda, 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 panda. And I'm like, there's actually a song called that? And sure enough, there there is a song with that as uh, some of its lyrics, and as about 90% of the lyrics of the song, and Alex Trebek had to quote it on Jeopardy. And it is apparently Corey and Ivana's uh, walkout song. So it's like the shittiest song I probably ever heard in this Drake era of hip-hop, which... Luckily, I think Drake's style of hip-hop is slowly being pushed out and we're getting back to regular hip-hop and rap again. You know, the whole Outkast and Ludacris and Dre and Snoop Dogg style and, you know, the countless others that were good. Um, But yeah, so that's another disappointment with them. And let's see, I had one other note. Oh yeah, Corey has the fear of vomit and... Ivana's dream vacation is very specific. She wants to go to the Queen Elizabeth National Park in Uganda. I have never heard anything remotely close to that as an answer before. You missed... You've ruined the opportunity for a great joke for me there. Um, oh, that Corey Pierce vomits, so he, he, what, he shouldn't be hanging around uh, Natalie and Megan? Nope, even better. And Corey's fear is vomit. And, frankly, his taste in teams makes me want to vomit. <laughs> oh, 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 And apparently both of them love to yell, so apparently they're both big fans of Dan Giesling from Big Brother. And Corey packed some food. Wanna guess what he packed? Protein bars, or protein shakes, or protein anything. Nope, not protein. Uh, I don't know, then. It's... Almost as random as ketchup. He packed oatmeal. He has like several bags of oatmeal in his bag. Maybe he's just going to try and make Big Brother slop on the race. Yes. <laughs> Corey and Ivana, you are have-nots for the week. In fact, because you submitted Panda by Designer as your walkout song and compared yourselves to Gino and Chessy, you are have-nots every week. Big Brother so- slop for life. <laughs> oh, and they had one more shitty thing from their bio. Um... <laughs> Uh, I always love a preview where Logan says, oh, they had one more shitty thing on their bio. (laughs) Ivana's favorite song, apparently, is the Friends theme song, and we all know how much I hate the TV show Friends, so... Son of a bitch, Michael. (laughs) So, and she has a phobia of cold. She's she's from Toronto, and she has a phobia of cold. (sighs) Yeah, I have such low expectations for them. But I think they'll make it. I think they'll make it to third. I sense Sandy and Francesca vibes from them. I think they're gonna suck for most of the race, but then they're gonna have this like probably in the domestic legs they'll have a bit of domination and then just squeeze the third place finish because they'll probably be hopeless at the mentally at the mental tasks in the finale. Where do you have them finishing? Um, I don't know. I've not really come up with a, a concrete list. Is the the honest answer? You, you're really invested into the season. Uh, no. And team number seven, one of my favorites. I think it's got to be one of your favorites, too. Mother-son team, 
Aaron and Deb, or should I say Aaron and self-proclaimed Undertaker Deb. <laughs> right. Where did they find these people? <laughs> under the ground, apparently. Six feet under is what I'm going to say. That's the million dollar question for Aaron and Deb. Where did they find them? They're funeral directors, so they're my friends. <laughs> Maybe the dead centre of town. I mean, undertaking is such a dead-end job. Uh, and the, You know the best thing about this? Mm-hmm. We could finally make it podcast canon that you wander around graveyards. Yes. <laughs> because... For anyone new to the podcast, Logan and I did do a little bit of travelling together in in March. He, as part of Logan's backpacking around Europe, he, we did do some travel around the UK. Do we did uh, London, Edinburgh, and then we went to Dublin as well before coming home for my birthday on the twenty fourth of March. And Logan just had this habit of disappearing and turning up at graveyards occasionally. Yes, because my mom wanted me to get photographs and walk around graveyards and. Uh... Well, she wanted me to do about close to about one graveyard per country. <laughs> and it just ended up being this hilarious thing for me. I only went to three. The answer to the question, where, where's Logan, was usually uh, followed up by probably a graveyard. <laughs> My mom just really likes going around to graveyards. Or not, she doesn't like to do that every day, but I mean, <laughs> like her and... Uh... Her and my my aunts and uncle, or her and some of my aunts, they'll always go to my uh, grandparents' uh, grave each year when they travel down to the coast. And yeah, that uh, that makes sense though. Going to the graves of people you know is kind of makes sense. But going to but random graveyards, she still want to check around like graveyards, and she's like, "When you travel, I really want to see the graveyards of the other countries, especially especially the ones where uh, you know where uh, our ancestors are buried in uh, Italy." And, uh, yeah, I guess it would just be Italy where they would be buried for the most part. So um, the cousins in Italy actually had it on their to-do list to take me to the graveyard where my ancestors were buried. So it's, like, something to do with my mother's side of the family and, like, Italian people or something where I don't know what it is, but they just they, they're just fond of graveyards and just find it peaceful and, I don't know, they just find the beauty in it, I guess. I mean, to be fair... You could usually tell where the graves of your Italian family were, because they were normally marked by horses' heads of some description. I was about to make a horse's head joke if you didn't, weren't going to make one, so... Victory. Good job. <laughs> and, yeah, Aaron and Deb, I have no idea where they, where they found them. Honestly. <laughs> They're in from BC. They're from, you know... They always find the quirky teams from BC, because I fit right in. They find that they found them in Grand Forks, which is... It's it's not the smallest town in BC, but it's like some town you usually drive through when you're just going through the highway on the way to Alberta. So I've only passed through there once, and I have a couple friends from there. And typically, people don't stay in Grand Forks. They tend to leave it for a while. But uh, according to Aaron and Deb's drop, some people truly never do get to leave Grand Forks because it's their responsibility to make sure that they are firmly planted there forever. Wasn't Aaron from Burnaby? Aaron's originally from Burnaby? I guess I think so. so, yeah. Or he lives, or... Well, they're, don't they run the same funeral? Yeah, they, they live in Grand Forks, but uh, he was born in uh, Burnaby, I think. Oh, okay. So, you know, Nate from Big Brother, Canada. And I really hope that we just get a bunch of non-eliminations at the beginning, because I don't see Aaron and Deb making it too deep into the season. I project they'll finish around 7th. But, like, look at this. Like, what's your walkout song going to be? Staying Alive <laughs> by the Bee Gees. Okay, um, what's your team motto? 
urn it, as in like an urn that you put ashes in. Genuinely, one of the notes I have for them is just, dear lord, their bio is filled with puns. They seem like our sort of people. They did that in their video interviews too, where they repeated all their puns from the bio. And they're gonna, apparently, there is confirmation that they will be wearing those ties and suits for the duration of however long they last in this race. Yes, they will, because they were spotted at the start line wearing them. Yes, and they even talked about in their video where they were mentioning all the different ways they could wear their tie. And at one point, Deb said if it gets really hot, she may wear the tie as like a Rambo bandana. And she was even modeling it as a Rambo bandana. I am not kidding. Another one of my favorite things is usually parent-child teams who are a little bit... um, Pot pie short of a picnic. This is the best way to describe them. And Aaron and Deb definitely go in that case. And they're less incesty than the our other mother son <laughs> teams in Amazing Race Canada, Cormac and Nicole. So Oh Cormac, I'd like to see you work out. <laughs> Push harder, Cormac. Um and Aaron's goal is to be a or uh, grow, or growing up when he was a child, Aaron's dream was to be a dad. Okay. And instead, he ended up burying people who are dads. Did you notice what uh, Deb's fear was? I know Aaron's fear was dying alone. Yeah, which is quite, you know, morbid even for the Undertakers. Yes. No. Deb's fear was a great one. She was scared of Survivor Borneo. She was scared of Survivor Borneo? Yeah, because her actual fear on the bio was snakes and rats. Oh! I see what you did there. And I think we should... Let it be as Mother Nature intended for the snake to eat the rat. And then Aaron and Deb will have to bury that rat. And also, Deb's autobiography would be called I'm a Lion, Get Out of My Way. Yes. She's just, in the video, she's just she's as crazy as depicted in the bios. I'm not kidding. Yeah, she, ju- she just seems absolutely nutty. And I kind of like that. <laughs> I really like that. Um, and what they packed for the race... Who's more suits? No, other than their ties. This is what they packed. This is the only two things they talked about. Was that they packed ties, which they swear they're going to wear and not use it to actually tie people down. And if you thought they weren't going to tie people down, the other thing they brought was duct tape. (laughs) So they brought ties and duct tape onto the race. What the hell? Like, there's going to probably be nine teams by the time the race starts if there, if we have a team bringing ties and duct tape. I mean, the perfect excuse for why Megan and Courtney disappear is it's like, well, we if we just... We'll, we'll just say it's ketchup on Courtney and not blood. All they're going to do is just buy some plastic sheeting by about leg three. Aaron and Deb, you are, you are the first team to arrive. Congratulations for winning this leg of the race. You win a serial killer prize pack from Blaze from Hunted US. <laughs> you really need to watch Hunted US, by the way, because it's awesome and you'll actually understand that joke then. This, these plastic bags are sponsored by Dexter and the producers at Showtime. Congratulations, guys. You're team number one. <laughs> it's as real. <laughs> Let the other racers' faces be as red as the beer I drink. Mmm, that's good. Monty's been worryingly quiet on social media. I'm just awaiting his abuse of you. He won't be the only one. 
So, yeah, I don't have any other notes for Aaron and Deb other than to say that I think they're going to go home in seventh, but I hope they stack the start of the race with non-elimination legs because we need as much Aaron and Deb in our lives as possible. And who's next? Team number eight with my most inappropriate jokes on this podcast. Oh, goody. Andrea and Ebony. I thought it might be them. Friends slash business partners who blatantly stole Kelly and Kate's yoga business ideas from Quebec, I believe. Yeah, they may be the only weak team from Quebec ever, in terms of my entertainment of them. So, I'm just going to get the inappropriate joke out of the way, which I already mentioned before, but in the video interview, Andrea and Ebony, Andrea's vegetarian, but they're like, oh, we're probably going to have a gross eating challenge, which Amazing Race Canada, to my knowledge... I think they've only done one gross eating challenge, or maybe one or two gross eating challenges. I know the Voldemuslinis had the insects for the uh, fast forward in season three. And then, oh yeah, last season had the Incredible Hulk uh, <laughs> incident in Vietnam. But I Incredible think that's really Hulk. the only two food eating, or major uh, gross food eating challenges, right? Yeah, there hasn't been any of those. Yeah, other, unless you count eating lots of cheese uh, up there, too, from Amazing Race Canada, too. But uh, Andrew and Ebony are so convinced that there's going to be, like, this plethora of gross food-eating challenges that they found an organic store near where they live that sold butts. They didn't specify which animal, too. Just butts in general. And Andrea's vegetarian, and they said they ate the butts, and <laughs> they told the interviewer, that it wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. Are you sure that the butts that they ate weren't just cigarette ones? Cigarette Is how you get by in prison. I don't think cigarette butts are very... Yeah, they just go to a prison. But seriously, Sam and Paul, on one end, use Canadian trivia and history and Canadian knowledge as the basis of, of how to train for Amazing Race Canada... And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have butt munchers. You have literal butt munchers preparing for Amazing Race Canada. And I'm just thinking, like, if they have boyfriends or husbands or fiancés, can you imagine, like, calling over, like, oh, man, uh, just them dialing their boyfriend being like, hey, uh, t- uh, you want to come over later? Uh, you want to come over later and eat my butt? And then, like, their boyfriend's like, whoa, she's getting kind of freaky. This is, I, I, I mean, I knew this relationship was going well, but I didn't know it was going that well. My mind's telling me no. And then their, boy, and then their boyfriends are, like, reviewing the Donald Glover uh, stand-up act from, uh, you know, the guy from Community? He has, uh, he's like, yeah, no, no girl likes anything, any butt stuff at all. The only ones who do you know, are either, like, downright crazy or were abused, and then he says some other more inappropriate stuff. And I'm sure, like, the boyfriends are driving over to Andrea and Ebony's apartment just reviewing that stand-up act in their head, like, come on, they're... Who, who am I dating? Like, <laughs> I may be a fan of the end result here, but I don't think this is what's going to happen. This this can't be real. The best situation would be if they called their boyfriends over and um, started kissing them, and the boyfriends uh, said... Have you been e- eating butt again? <laughs> yes. Your mouth, it tastes <laughs> like butt. Have you been butt. cheating on me? And yeah, then the boyfriends, yeah, just walk over there and like, oh man, that was uh, that was quite the that was quite the dirty talk on the phone there. And I'm like, what? No, 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 no. We're just having butts for dinner. We're tra- 
So you're going to help me train for Amazing Race Canada, honey. And then they're like, damn it. I knew it was too good to be true. Your exact words were, <laughs> you wanted me to eat your butt and this is what happens? But yeah, I just, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but just to review that completely out of context in my head. Because I think that would be hilarious if that's what happened. That's a shock. <laughs> so there we go. And on a more, no, actually it's slightly more inappropriate note. Um, Ebony likes, uh, <laughs> I haven't been able to keep a straight face through all this. Um, Ebony is a big fan of uh, Channing Tatum and his moves. So I feel like every purse, every woman who's in their 30s tends to be a big Channing Tatum fan because of the dance sequence from Magic Mike. So I don't think that can be referenced on the race, though. I don't, th- I don't think producers from CTV are going to be able to obtain the rights to uh, Pony by Genuine each time Andrea and Ebony step onto the pit stop mat. And unfortunately, Ebony said she likes Drake. So, I mean, at least it's not the Panda, 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 Panda song, but I'm still disappointed. And worryingly, I actually do know the Genuine's Pony song. I have gone out to enough parties and stuff, so I'm fairly, I'm fairly familiar with the, with the song. I'm familiar with it for two reasons. One of them is, of course, my love of Parks and Recreation, which Genuine did appear on and perform Pony. What? And the other is, and this will not shock you at all, uh, Postman Jukebox. Oh. They did a very good version of uh, of Pony. I'm sure they didn't. You would be wrong. Agree to disagree, Michael. Um, okay, agree that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Andrea wants to be a Kung Fu Panda, and her mom still calls her Sweets. Yeah. And after eating those butts, I'm sure her mom now calls her Sweet Cheeks. And did you know that Andrea is actually a mattress? No. Apparently she has an IMDb page. This isn't related to the butt eating at all, is it? Yeah, it's not in a similar vein as what Alan Wu did on Fear Factor, no. <laughs> she didn't have a butt smoothie or anything. <laughs> but yeah, apparently she's got an IMDb page. Oh. Friend of the podcast, Kurt Reptile, found it. What has she acted in? Nothing, is the honest answer. Okay. She's a failed mattress. <laughs> And I'm sure that will endear her to us even more. And uh, I think I can't remember. I think it was Andrea's. Apparently, her uh, her self-titled autobiography is going to be called "The Cleaner Who Wanted to Dry Everything Once in Life." But then, upon further review, I'm like, that can't be right. And a few seconds later, I realized, oh, it actually says "The Dreamer Who Wanted to Try Everything Once in Life." Including eating butts. <laughs> I was about to say, but I'm like, I probably maxed out on the butt jokes by now. Not even Sir Mix-a-Lot would, would talk about butts this much. Apparently Andrea has taken, uh, has taken many acting studies and workshops, but says where she really fell in love and felt she acquired most experience would have to be her debut in the cult film 1501 as the lead actress. She's a free spirit and true chameleon in her craft. While on her journey towards acting, she also fell in love with yoga and is looking into getting her yoga teaching certificate done in the upcoming year. Uh, okay. So it's called 1501 is what they acted in? Yeah. Okay. And we see what they brought onto the race. And Ebony, <laughs> in the video, it's kind of funny. She brought in a face mask because apparently she can't sleep without a face mask. And it's a really fancy Hello Kitty face mask. And she loves it because it smells like lavender. And then, I kid you not, she proceeds to motorboat the face mask. And just because she loves the, the face mask so much. 
Oh, face masks. And then she said that she loves having pressure on her eyes. See, it's usually me who finds all the dirty stuff in the bios. Whereas I just didn't care this season. And then Andrea brought balls onto the race. Uh, therapy balls, I should say, but she still brought balls nonetheless. So they ate butt, brought balls, and they're motorboating face masks and want pressure on their eyes. <laughs> so Andrea and Ebony, I just want to say... From the bottom of my heart, thank you for having probably one of the most entertaining and unintentionally inappropriate introductions to the RTV Warriors community. And hopefully you say more things that can be taken out of context uh, week to week to week. You know they're not going to like live up to your high expectations now, right? Yeah. But imagine like round seven, it's like... It's, uh, who thinks who thinks they're the analytical one? And then they reopen the clue, and it's like, oh, we're actually eating butt. Thank God we trained for this. I would love it if it came into hand. If it came in handy. <laughs> if it came into handy. <laughs> Shall we move on to team number nine? Whoever that is. Uh, yes, I believe that's everything I said about Andrew and Ebony, and let's see where I predicted they would finish. I predicted they would be out in eighth place, so I don't think they're. They don't seem like they're uh, going to be too race savvy. All right, team number nine. It is not the Richards from Amazing Race Asia Four, but rather it is Karen and Bert Richards, who nicknamed themselves the Richards from Edmonton, Alberta. Which means we get to leave one of my least favorite teams for last. Yay! Bert is a rapper. He's a rapper from Edmonton because you know the epicenter of the hip hop community. Is within Edmonton. Edmonton is one of the most urban places in Canada. And his rap name, his stage name, I should say, is Dirt Gritty. So this team has true grit. Did you notice her walk-on song, by the way? Uh, no. No, I did not. She actually invoked Desiree. It was uh, Desiree's You Gotta Be. Who's Desiree? Desiree is the singer of Life, the song which featured such stellar lyrics as I'm afraid of the ghost, it's a sight that I fear most, rather have a piece of toast and watch oh, the evening Oh, that's Desiree? News. That's Desiree. That. Yeah. She's famous for two songs, one of which is Life and the other is You Gotta Be. Oh, yeah. So I did laugh a lot at that, purely because I'm, I'm like, yes, I get to make Desiree jokes. And Bert is the reverse of Dujan, because of course Dujan was a dancer and not a rapper, and judging by the dance moves in Karen and Bert's video, Bert is definitely not a dancer, but is a rapper. And they will not compromise integrity. They have a family of four. Bert wants to be a grey owl, which sounds very Game of Thrones-ish. They compare themselves to Joe and Ashley or Hal and Joanne. So if you combine the two teams at their meanest, their catchphrase would be Fuck off, fart face. So I really hope we see that on the race. Um, How I wish I could get away with making fuck off, fart face the, uh, the episode title. <laughs> and Karen's complaint about Bert is that he farts too much. So maybe, being a, maybe the fart face analogy to Joel and Ashley is really the one they were going after. And they brag about their international travel because they're asked, Oh, favorite travel destination... Um, I should note that for the favorite travel destination question, most teams answer where they would like to travel. And Burton, Karen, or Karen at the very least, says Greece was beautiful. So she's already been to Greece. The good thing is they're on Amazing Race Canada, so international travel does not matter. It's like points in uh, whose lines it anyway. 
where the international travel is made up, and it doesn't matter. Yes. And Bert, or one of them anyways, has a fear of picking up a large insect. Bert hates it when Karen has cold feet and then jumps into bed and warms, warms them up on Bert. That is the very specific uh, pet peeve for a team member to have on The Amazing Race. Yeah, I mean, it. it's not the... Uh, it's not on the level of drooling, but it's one of the more obscure pet hates. Yes, and Bert wants to be like one of my favorite all-time celebrities, Jaleel White. You know, Steve Urkel, and also the guy who does the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. Really? Yeah. Jaleel White does the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in many of the cartoon series. I don't know if he still does the voice, but he did that a lot during the 90s and in multiple versions of it. And in fact, it actually came up when I was in L.A. because I was hanging out with Steph's friends on the stoop of her apartment. And the one guy was talking about Jaleel White. And I said, oh, isn't he the guy who did the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog? And he's like, yes, not a lot of people know that. (laughs) Did you see where Bert wants to go on his road trip as well if he wins? Downtown? He wants to take his family to Calgary Zoo. Oh, probably because there's a grey owl there, would be my guess. Yeah, also known as the most underwhelming road trip of all time. Yes. Let's see. Oh, in their video, Bert and Karen probably performed the worst leapfrog I've ever seen in my life, where Karen was about to leapfrog over Bert, then she just sort of steps around him. And they brought a whistle and a compass onto the race. Bert says he has an excellent sense of direction, but he also does deliveries as his professional job. So uh, I guess there's a good chance he might be doing both the navigation and the driving for uh, this season. Well, if he does deliveries for his actual job, that just means he's good at using a sat-nav. I doubt he actually has to pick his own uh, routes. That's true. And uh, Karen's main concern going into the race is having her skin hydrated. So apparently she brought this big block of shea butter, and she's just going to smother herself with it all throughout the season. I'm sure there's other teams that we wish would smother themselves on the season. And in fact, I'm, I'm sure there's Deb. teams... If you Aaron and Deb enough, Stop spoiling my joke! <laughs> I, I was going to say, and in fact, I'm sure Aaron and Deb would love it if a team smothered themselves on, uh, on the season. Yeah, the duct duct tape's there for a reason. And, uh, let's see. Um, Oh, uh, they actually referenced Kanye West's best album, saying that uh, their road trip soundtrack would be College Dropout by Kanye West, which is the album he released before he started to suck more and more. And they like to do kung fu punches in their bios. And it's going to be funny if Karen has all this... Uh, stuff to make sure her skin is hydrated, but then she like doesn't drink enough water, so she gets physically de- dehydrated. I think that would be a hilarious twist in the season. So I predict they're not going to do too well at the race. I think they're going to be out in ninth place. I think they will probably be out quite early as well. And our last team. And uh, seen as it's traditional for us to end with a team that I actively dislike. They're not as bad as Gino and Jesse. They're not as bad as Gino and Jesse, but no one ever is. They're still not great. We have Kenneth, not Ken, not Kenny, but Kenneth and Ryan, the Giver team, who did not read the novel The Giver in the sixth grade, surprisingly. The team who I know for a fact that, along with Dan and Rhea, let's be honest, if they last a while, which they will, they're going to be so annoying. As long as they don't repeat the phrase Giver, because this is a phrase that even before the season, I already hated because... I grew around uh, siblings who were really into sports, 
and one of the years uh, there was an ultimate there's an annual ultimate frisbee tournament in my town and the team name for one of my sib or for somebody you know uh, their uh, team name was just giver and they repeated this about a thousand times throughout the tournament and it is uh, every bit as annoying as you would expect it to be and now here we are amazing race canada and we have a team that's calling themselves the giver team my god what are we in for you know as well as I do, there is no chance in hell that the number of givers per episode is less than 100. Uh, I'll take that under a bet. I think it will be less than 100. I would be shocked if it is less than 100 per episode. Or considering it's Canada's 150, I'm sure there'll be one, maybe in the finale, they'll do it 150 times. But yes, uh, let's see. They describe themselves as goofballs. They, they brag up in their audition tape. They brag about this story about how one of them lost their passport to go from Australia to Indonesia, and they were told it was going to take a few Wonderful weeks. Wonderful Indonesia. Wonderful Indonesia, pardon me. And they were told, oh, it's going to take you a few weeks. And I'm not kidding you, but they bragged that it only took them five days to get a passport to go to Wonderful Indonesia. I think a lot of people could, could do that, but they said it was their giver attitude and sheer determination that got them this passport after five days, as opposed to this random person's estimation saying, eh, it'll probably take a few weeks. Kehlani and Lisa would describe that as an absolute failure. They got theirs back within about an hour, didn't they? Yeah. So I don't know what the hell Kenneth and Ryan are bragging about. They want to see a crazy monkey wearing a cheetah thong, was one of their quotes. Um, they love to surf, so they'd probably be friends with Tyler Nathan, Nathan from The Amazing Race Australia. Kenneth is a chef, and he likes chefing it up. Ryan says that uh, Kenneth can't say no, which could get him into trouble and probably will lead to him hanging out with uh, Ricky Jay in a music video, a popular uh, early 2000s uh, Canadian icon, Ricky Jay. No idea. Let's see. Ryan nicknames himself Rocket Ryan. I don't think anybody has ever called him Rocket Ryan, though. That's just my opinion. Did you know what Ryan's strengths include? No, I just noticed that he, his favorite book is a book written by R.A. Dickey, who was a failed Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, but uh, go ahead. Ryan's strengths include defining the word giver. That's not a fucking word. <laughs> Hate to break it to you, but it's not a real word. And they both list the same fear, it's the same fear, which is a fear of regret. Like, they're just running with this whole giver thing and just running into the ground as hard as they can just to piss off as many people as possible. So I hope when the episode's air that editors just completely edit it out and we only see, like, maybe one giver per episode. I think you know as well as I do, they're going to be such tryhards. We're going to be so bored of them. And Ken compares himself to a mad dog. So he compares himself to... The third person voted out from the second season of Survivor, Marilyn Mad Dog Hershey. So he'll be inviting everyone into the family swimming pool in no time. I'm just sort of way, way over them already. If they don't say giver in the episodes more than maybe once per episode, they, they, they have a shot at winning me over. But for now, the giver thing's just way too damn much. Way too much. And sadly... I think they might be the runner-ups of our season. Yeah, I think they're going to stick around. They look a lot like the hippies from season 9. But the hippies were awesome. 
BJ and Tyler were fantastic and hilarious. They're like an awful version of the hippies. But somehow still better than Gino and Jesse going into a season. Well, that's not hard. (laughs) Someone could actually drop a shit on camera and still be better than Gino and Jesse. Okay, so... So, yeah, that's... That's the podcast, I believe. Anything else to summarize up these ten wonderful teams? No. Happy 200th, everyone. We're doing this <laughs> purely for you. Who gets to blow out the candles? We've done enough jokes about blowing, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'll let Jeff and Bracky take care of that. This podcast was purely for you guys, because I think it was blatantly obvious over the past two hours that I've hated every minute of having to talk about this season. And it's not even started yet. It hasn't even started yet. As Rupert Bonham would say. Liz! (laughs) Or, yeah, Michael, I guess. Logan and Michael are not hyping up Amazing Race Canada. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I think I'm just going to reminisce about the time I spent on Amazing Race 29. And turn around and do what, Liz? Turn around and do what? And we'll never know what that what is. For now. (laughs) But, yeah. Congratulations, everyone. You've made me do this. (laughs) Yeah, don't put this on you, Michael. Put this on everyone else around you who propped you up like a puppet and made you dance. You danced for us in this podcast, Michael. 99% of the the blame for this is solely squared on your shoulders, mate. I would say I'm about 20, I'm about 20% because 80% of it came from the fans wanting me to ask you to do this podcast. Yeah, I've been so deeply against covering this season since it filmed, since the locations came out. Since we did the Amazing Race Canada Supposed to Be Good and Fun podcast last year, I've been so anti-Amazing Race Canada podcast, and somehow you managed to convince me to do this. But also, c- congratulations Canada, we're still 50 ahead of you. Yes, you're at 150, but we're at 200, so suck it! Suck it, Canada. Alright, um, I think that wraps it up for uh, this little, uh, this little edition. One more thing I do have to say about Kenneth and Ryan. I've just remembered. Did you notice who they most associate with? Not Gino and Jesse, thankfully. It wasn't. It was with, and I quote from the terribly formatted website again, Mikey and Pete. Season team for season six. That's all I'm going to say. They actually got the names of one of their winners wrong. (laughs) Mikey and Pete. Did you screen cap that too? Yes. And it was a pair of winners who did promo for them last year. I wish they would misspell Gino and Jesse's names. I wish it would be like, I don't know, Reno and Jesse. Have it not even really be a name. What they should do is replace all references to Gino and Jesse with the Volta Mussolini's, just to wink, wink, nudge, nudge to us. Yes, I wish they would. Anyway, you can sign off now. All right, thank you for listening to our, yet again, another lengthy uh, cast preview, as well as listening to my adventures. So, sign off for me. Uh, you can find you can find me on Twitter at logsupukuwaki, and of course at Michael Harmstone's Twitter at MJ Harmstone. And Michelle, she's on this podcast, but will probably be joining us at some point. You can find her at bear three 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 six threes. I think I said six threes. Yes, yeah, it's, it's six threes, but it's tradition that you have to repeatedly extend the number of threes. Yes. Are we? Are, am I OCD now? Am I like uh, Howie Mandel? Yeah, and and also, just for the record, Michelle still hates her family. (laughs) Yes, she still hates her family. All right. And yeah, I guess guess you can join us reluctantly sometime after July the 4th to start recapping the season. Yes, you can join us after America's Day of Independence. 
for Amazing Race Canada podcast. And also, happy fucking birthday, Canada. <laughs> happy birthday, Stanley. You can just imagine me with a sort of drooping balloon. I imagine you wearing like a birthday hat and being slumped over in a chair and frowning. <laughs> just one of those awful sort of party blowers, just... Yeah. It doesn't even extend all the way. No. So yeah, bye. <laughs> Alright. Peace out and just chill. Till the next episode. Thanks, Canada. Here's to you, Canada. Cheers. <laughs>